0: It's time for the fastest 30 minutes in football talk. Welcome to Pigskin Podcast, your first look back at the NFL weekend. Now,
1: um, definitely not live,
0: from the studios of the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com. Here are your hosts, Justin Karp and Brian Giverman.
1: Warner with all kinds of time throws it right, intercepted, picked off by Rebus. He'll walk to the 20, to the 10. He flips the ball up into the crowd. Ben Patrick was the intended receiver. And a room service interception return for a touchdown for Darrell Revis. R pumps once, drops back, looks downfield, fires a bomb. Wide open at the five-yard line. And walking into the end zone for a touchdown is Lavernius Coles. Nothing short of a mauling at the Meadowlands. Good evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. It's the Pigskin Podcast right here on the Fan1060.com. Justin Carp, Brian Giverman coming to you on another beautiful Monday night in the Valley of the Sun. Brian, it was your Jets taking the Cardinals to the woodshed this weekend.
0: Yep, and how fast have, the, have these first four weeks gone? Time is flying by and mauling at the Meadowlands. You
1: could work for the New York Post with that one. Oh, you see those headlines, but on a total side note, you saw those headlines, obviously about the crying shame and the shade. Age. So I guess I could. Yeah, that was that was impressive. I don't I know, know. I that might that's that, a good one. might that might be the only one I ever have. But you're right. Week four is over. A quarter of the NFL season has already passed us by, and we've got plenty to talk about. So let's get right to it. As always, we're going to start with a breakdown of the Arizona Cardinals, and it was a fifty-six thirty-five. Uh, the score a lot closer than. It really represented, as it was 34 nothing at the half, and all 34 of those points coming in, I, I, I can't even think of any other words to describe it, a complete debacle and a complete meltdown for the Arizona Cardinals in the second quarter of that football game.
0: No, the Cardinals had an awful second quarter. They played terrible, and they played terrible the whole game. You know what? The Jets, they blitzed. I, I was reading... In the New York Daily News, and they blitzed to start the second half. They blitzed on a certain amount of plays. They were still bringing the pressure, but the Cardinals started playing better. I think just when you go into the half up 34 to nothing, that's going to happen. You're going to. You're not going to come out with the same intensity you did to start the game. But overall in that game, Cards had seven turnovers mm-hmm. and five sacks. That's 12 negative plays on offense. Plus they had 11 penalties. You're never going to win a football game having that many negative plays.
1: A, a couple of those interceptions, including the one that you heard in the, in the highlight, the Darrell Revis pick six that uh, made it 14 to nothing. I had to go back and watch it. I had the DVR working. I had to go back and watch a couple times to see who that pass was actually going to. It was completely underthrown. It was underthrown by when I finally figured out that he was intending to pass that to Ben Patrick, the tight end who was starting in place of Leonard Pope. He's underthrown by about 10 yards, and Darrell Revis, I guarantee you, just, really? Where where was this pass going? I had no idea where it was going, but it was kind of a microcosm of how the day went for Kurt Warner. And
0: I think Daryl Rivas said thank you on that interception. A that room just, service Rivas, interception, like, as they said. And the problems for the Cardinals in this game started in the trenches. It was all at the offensive line. Levi Brown, I he don't got want, he got owned. I don't owned. want to, I don't want to call a kid a bust in only his second season. But we're we're getting there with the supposed offensive line genius and Russ Grimm, and he doesn't seem to be helping this kid. Lyle Sendeline got wow. eaten a lot by Chris Jenkins. Well,
1: even even the long even the long snapper center Nate Hodel on the uh, on the first blocked kick, it was not a good day for centers overall. He ends up just going down, and and they got a good push and were able to block that field goal. Mike Gandy was a revolving door on the other side of the line. There was absolutely. No, it it was like the Arizona Cardinals of old, just letting everybody through.
0: Yeah, Chris Jenkins is a beast, and the two outside tackles, you're right, got eaten alive. Bowens had two sacks. Brian Thomas had a sack. Calvin Pace had a sack, and on probably half of those. They forced fumbles also. So Warner's got to do a better job of getting rid of the ball and having a feel for that outside pass rush. But the offensive line also has to do a better job of pass protecting.
1: Secondary looked bad once again on the touch on the other touchdown you heard uh, in our open. Lavernius Cole is his second touchdown catch of the game, and had to go back and look at that one again a couple of times to see how he got so wide open and it was that pump fake that literally broke Eric Green's ankles. He goes down like he was shot and he's when Carl's is wide open at the 10, he walks in and then you see Eric Green clutching his knee about 20 yards back. He looked like he was pretty badly hurt, but he comes back, but Dominique Rogers cromartie didn't look good. Rod Hood didn't look good. Antrell Roll. Possibly, he's had a lot of bad games and Antrell Roll had one of the worst games I've ever seen out of him as an Arizona Cardinal.
0: And I I don't want to go and accuse a player of faking an injury, but with how hurt Eric Green looked on that play, how he was down. I have my doubts that because he came in a couple series later and it wouldn't shock me if he was just down there pretending because uh, you you got abused uh, on a a pump fake and Lavernius calls ran by you and you look that hurt and then you're able to come back in a couple series later. That's a little shady.
1: Well, Antro roll even on the touchdown on that fourth and one play that I believe made it 48-25. Wow, that was Andantrell roll of old, where he 's playing back at safety. They go play action, and the Cardinals were completely sold that they were going to give it uh, they 're going to pound it on the ground to get that first down and keep the clock moving, but they go to the play action and won't roll completely caught with his pants down Kadri blew right by him and into the end zone, yeah, and uh, to be honest this wasn 't the jets
0: being good. I think this was this game was more of a the Cardinals just being bad, that these guys were just running wide open all over the field. Coles on the one we talked about had no one within 30 yards of him. Cotri on the fourth and one had no one within 30 yards of him. Coles at another, Cotri's other touchdown. both the Cotri's touchdowns, no one was anywhere near him. And you wonder, with Adrian Wilson not in the game, maybe that the Cardinals were lacking the communication that he's become a leader of the secondary and he's the one who puts the people in the place of where they're supposed to
1: be. We need to address the giant elephant in the room, and that would be the Eric Smith hit on Anquan Bolton with 34 seconds to play. Of course, Anquan Bolton gets knocked unconscious. He's carted off. As we know now, he told, uh, Edger, or, I'm sorry, he told, uh, Ken Wizenut that he wanted to get up and walk off, but he said, no, stay down. Want to make sure that it's not a neck injury or a spine injury. Luckily it isn't. He'll undergo more tests Tuesday and Wednesday. Don't know his availability. If you didn't catch the news earlier today, Eric Smith was Banned for a game, he got suspended, he's fined fifty thousand dollars. There's no doubt in my mind that he led with his head and that is the kind of play that Roger Goodell is trying to crack down on. But everybody out there who thinks that this was a dirty play, that this was a dirty hit, it's not. It's not. It was a bang bang play. I don't know why the Cardinals are th- still throwing the ball, but it wasn't a dirty play. Unfortunately, that's football. Should he have been leading with his head? No. That's what ca- Roger Goodell came out explicitly last week and said, "Don't lead with your head. You will be suspended and fined." But he did. Do I think it was a dirty hit? Though I really don't. If if Bolden doesn't get hit in the back and knocked into Smith on that play. He probably
0: doesn't end up getting hit in the head. That's the reason that it was helmet-to-helmet contact. Right. His helmet probably hits him in the chest if Kerry Rhodes doesn't knock him into Which,
1: him. But he's still leading with his head, which is what the NFL is you're tra- really...
0: You're trying to, but he's trying to knock, draw the ball loose. Anquan is jumping in the air to make a catch. He's trying to put his helmet on the ball. What are you supposed to do in that situation? You're taught to draw the ball loose. What part of your body is easiest to use to jar the ball loose. What is getting your hand on it or sticking your helmet on the ball? What's well, going to make the ball hat pop out? That's exactly. what's you hear. You so that's what the you the want ball. to do. You just got to be careful and not stick your hat on the other guy's hat and in that situation when Kerry Rhodes knocked him into him, that's unfortunately what happened. Now, thank God Anquan Bolden's hurt. You don't want to see something mm-hmm. like that, but I don't think Eric Smith should have been suspended for that.
1: Uh, I definitely don't think it was a dirty hit, but I think that you have to go along with your precedent and Goodell, I think, made the right call here. The one game suspension does say you lead with your head you're going to get punished that is the end of that in terms uh, in the eyes of the NFL's commissioner Brian when we come back we're going to talk about the two teams that have surprised everybody they're both 4-0 we're also going to talk about a certain coach that got canned today here's a hint it wasn't Lane Kiffin pigskin podcast fan 1060.com Tune in Sunday mornings at 7 for Explore the Outdoors with Jim Solomon exclusively on The Fan AM 1060, the voice of the fans. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of
0: Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. I'll sleep all day, I'm on night.
1: Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Around the NBA, inside college basketball, the football only segment, around the NHL, and every sport in between. Uh, excuse me, Professor Brainiac. Bob Kemp, every day from noon to three, only on the Voice of the Fans, AM 1060. Trent Green with the backs in the eye behind him. Takes it, and he's going to throw. Play action fake. Friars over the middle, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Jabari
0: Greer at the 33. Cuts to his right at the 20. He may go all the way at the 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, Jabari Greer. Picks it off and runs it in, 33
1: yards. The Bills take the lead. Three tight ends on third and goal. Toss left, Chris Johnson sprints left, touchdown. And he struts into the end zone. Bills Radio Network, Titans Radio Network on the call of those two as both of those teams surprisingly four and zero. Pigskin Podcast, Justin Cart, Brian Giverman here on the fan1060 and let's get right into it. The Titans a thirty to seventeen win this weekend over the Minnesota Vikings. The story here on both ends, we'll get into both right here. The Vikings dropped to one and three. The Tennessee Titans though are four and zero. And Chris Johnson and Lendale White, as you said before we started taping tonight... Becoming easily one of the most formidable ground attacks in the National Football League.
0: I think right now they are the best one-two punch in the National Football League at running back. I'm not saying they're the best two running backs on a team, but the way they complement each other—Johnson with the speed to the outside, but also able to run between the tackles mm-hmm. and the ability to make people well, miss.
1: He's just got such a big upper body. They both do. Uh, obviously, Len, they, w- White's a little bit heavier and he's, he's more of a bowling ball. But man, was, you, damn combine, it, you
0: stole my word. That's my what bad. I was about
1: to say. You combine the foot speed with Johnson and his
0: size and he's so dangerous. Yeah, and I don't want to say thunder and lightning. I remember everyone remembers the Tiki Barber and Ron Dane combination. Honestly, I think these guys I try are to forget better. about it. Yeah, these guys are better than them, because Tiki Barber wasn't the player at that time he was later in his career, and Lendale White is a
1: better running back than Ron Dane will ever be. Yeah, well without a doubt. You look at the quarterback situation in, in Tennessee and nobody could have expected that when Vince Young goes down with his uh, injury, his knee injury, and then his mental injury. I can't really think of a different way to put it. Carry Collins steps in. Don't forget that Kerry Collins only, uh, only about eight years ago, takes the Giants to the Super Bowl. Right now, this veteran quarterback really has a lot of these young players, and there's a lot of youth on this Titans team. We just mentioned a couple of the, of the guys at running back, but they're wide receivers, Justin Gage, Roydell Williams. They're all young guys, and he's a veteran leader that's able to come in and really, almost really like he did with the Giants so many years ago, organize that youth lots of enthusiasm, lots of talent, and he's getting them to win. The Titans offense,
0: their job right now is to not lose games and rely on that defense. That defense has forced eight fumbles, they have eight interceptions, and right now what they're going to do is, when when the Titans defense forces a turnover, it's that Titans offense job to get the ball into the end zone. Don't. So for Tennessee's offense, just don't turn the ball over. Ball control. And when the Titans' defense makes a play, stick the ball in the end zone, and they will continue to win games. That defense, eight fumbles forced, eight interceptions, only giving up 265 yards a game and only 11.5 points per game. So what? That means you need to put up two touchdowns a game, and the way they're forcing turnovers, that should be easy because they'll be going on a short field.
1: On the other end of that field that day, uh, Vikings have got some problems. Gus Farratt didn't look as good as he did in the win the previous week. And then you look at Brad Childress and you wonder if this guy is really the coach that you want coaching this football team with with guys like Adrian Peterson, Chester Taylor, and and some other good players that really developed into a team that a lot of people thought could uh, could challenge for the division crown. However, when you've got Brad Childress not knowing that he didn't have any time out le- outs left and then punting the ball in that situation late when he thought he, he admitted he thought he was going to get the ball back, didn't realize there were no timeouts left, didn't realize there was less than two minutes left, so they didn't have the two-minute two warning, and the Titans just knelt the ball. Yeah, maybe. How stupid is Brad Childress to think that he was going to get the ball back? And we're going to talk about another coach that got fired a little later, later on in this segment, but Brad Childress just proved that he's not the kind of guy that you want on your sidelines calling plays.
0: Yeah, Brad Childress, maybe you should have kept that one to yourself that you didn't yeah. know what was going on. Maybe <laughs> just keep that in the locker room, keep it between the coaches, and don't go and tell the media that because you're going to get abused now. Yep. But you look at the Viking schedule, and that they're 1-3 is not a shock to me. They lost at Green Bay to mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts and at Tennessee. They're one wins against Carolina. Is that shocking? I don't find that shocking, and they got a chance these next couple games. They can rebound. They're at New Orleans, Detroit, at Chicago, and they have a bye week, then Houston. So they can get right back in the thick of things coming up here. And seeing that they're 1-3, you have to kind of take it, take a look at the schedule, put things in perspective, and their season's not over.
1: Team season that might be over is the St. Louis Rams. They went up against the Buffalo Bills, who who will be here at the University of Phoenix Stadium coming up this upcoming Sunday to face the Cardinals. They are 4-0 now, as they need a little bit of a comeback to beat the St. Louis Rams at the Edwards-Jones Dome. They get that pick by Jabari Greer that pretty much iced it. Trent Edwards and Marshawn Lynch really have something going, and I'll tell you what I do like the secondary with a bunch, I don't, I don't want to say no names, but a bunch of guys that you really don't recognize as the top-flight corners in the game, the top-flight safeties, guys like Co. Simpson and Dante whitner They're really coming through, and I feel like the Bills are now a legitimate threat to come out of the AFC East. Yeah, the
0: Bills, they're for real. They, they are. They've made, they made a couple pickups in the offseason that really solidified that front seven, getting Marcus Stroud, mm-hmm. and then the undervalued pickup of Kavika, Mit- Kavika Mitchell, who played great for the Giants last year, and now is playing great for the Buffalo Bills, but you mentioned it before, the secondary. The safeties, Co. Simpson out of South Carolina. We've seen college, played a little corner, played a little safety, Paul hawk. They moved him good. all
1: around. He, that's what he was so good at at South Carolina.
0: Yep, and he was a very good player. I loved that draft pick when I saw it. Dante Whitner out of Ohio State, another Ohio State guy, Ashton UBody, Terrence McGee, and Jabari Green. Everyone was kind of wondering what they were going to do when they let Nate Clements go two years ago, and the Bills, all these guys are in between like 28 and 24 years old. They're all young guys who the Bills have developed
1: and done a real good job drafting and turned it into a good secondary. You can't undersell the development of Paul Puzzlesny out of Penn State as becoming one of the top young linebackers in the game either. Just the way he functions and the way he follows the ball, he's not going to be the best in coverage ever. He's just not that kind of player, but the way that he just finds the ball, his nose for where the ball carrier is, has just been so... Eight. He's really, really becoming not one of the top young linebackers in the AFC, but probably one of the best linebackers in the AFC period.
0: That he has came back from that disgusting knee injury yeah. that occurred in the Orange Bowl in that Penn State-Florida State game boggles my mind. I mean, he basically got his leg snapped in half, and now he's out on an NFL football field making play after play like you just talked about.
1: Their opponent this week, the St. Louis Rams, fired head coach Scott Linehan this morning. They hired Jim Hazlitt. His first move is to reverse a very controversial decision. Mark Bolger is once again going to be the starter in St. Louis, but we all kind of saw this coming. Scott Linehan lost the locker room when he switched to Trent Green. Even before that, it seemed like that he couldn't get along with Mark Bolger. Bolger said he couldn't work under him. Steven Jackson didn't like him. Torrey Holt went to the press and said he was unhappy. So... I think that the season is lost for St. Louis, but I think they made a good step in the right direction to reclaiming this franchise by getting rid of Scott Linehan. Uh,
0: I think the right move is to get rid of Scott Linehan. I don't like the timing. I think in the NFL, it's very difficult to make changes at the coaching position mid-season. It's not like hockey. It's not like basketball. It's not like baseball. It's a completely... Different sport. There's too much going into game planning and how that offense functions and defense functions. That it's very hard to get the continuity from one coach to another.
1: In terms of timing, though, they've got the bye week, so they've got an extra full week to get Hazlitt into. How much into can the he system. actually
0: change? He, he's basically going to have to go with what's there, and well, Hazlitt sucks also.
1: <laughs> and what's there isn't that great either. You got Steven Jackson, obviously, who's a great running back, and Tory Holt showing his age a little bit. Mark Bolger isn't isn't quite the quarterback that he was a couple of years ago. The Rams just simply aren't a good football team.
0: Which is why you just let Linehan finish out the season. You worry about it after the season.
1: we got Plays of the Week coming back, and it's definitely a special edition. A couple of game-winning field goals and a tremendous defensive uh, effort by the Chicago Bears. That's the Plays of the Week. We'll also give you our first quarter progress report on the NFL. Brian Giverman, Justin Carp, Big Skin Podcast, The Fan, 1060.com. Drop by for lunch with Kevin McCabe. You'll go and sit in front of the TV and eat cheesy poop. Weekdays at 10 on the Fan AM 1060, the voice of the fans. Rockin' Mnuch. Well, what are we talking about? Well, you know, Tony and Jessica, they're about ready to make it well, happen. What's that Larry Fitzgerald? Sure. Well, Larry knows what's this going on. Your roommate, your poor roommate, were you this much of a tool when you were in oh, Canada? They're getting close to getting married. The influences of women on those ballplayers, oh, Rock. Please. You never you know. crap analyst Mike Mayock. How long did you live with this guy? Well, let me put it this way. In a Canadian dictionary, if you look up tool, there's a picture of Manouge. Rock Rockin' Mnuch. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on The Fan, AM 1060
0: get in here i got one thing to say this is when the big dogs come out Damn can't, the run. Run. can't the big, run. Run the big dogs Damn.
1: stay on the board arizona sports fan radio is am 1060 the fan brian i am so geeked up that Bruce Springsteen is officially going to be doing the halftime show in Tampa in Super Bowl Forty Three. What songs does he play? Oh, Give me four. Tough. Give me four. Well, The Rising. I would say The Rising. Uh, Glory Days. Does he do Dancing in the Dark? No. No. He, Only if no. Courtney Cox shows up. How about... Uh,
0: Thunder Road, he's got it there. Oh, he got to do Thunder Road. So a, some of these songs are long though. Yeah. And it's a halftime show. He might. Well, he Tom Betty did four. He's gonna do Born in the USA. Of course. He's going to. Of course. Uh, Born to Run. Yeah. All
1: right. So, so we those, got the ideas so, out though, there. Yeah, those
0: songs are they're all long songs though. They're all like four and a half, five minutes. So right. it would be interesting to see what he does.
1: So if you're out there, Bruce, and you're listening to the Pigskin Podcast, which of course is right here on the Fan 1060. Com and the Fan AM 1060, we're giving you your playlist right now. I will say, for before we move on to actual football, Tom Petty's playlist, I got it exactly right. I it was, it was on in the, the paper.
0: The fo- it was? Yes, it was in the paper. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine, then I got it without so looking in the paper. I, when I was working at that other station, someone called into the show at night and was like, I work on the pregame festivities, and they went into practice, and he came on the air and Told, I oh. told everyone in <laughs> the, the playlist. Oh. That's
1: so. That was so illegal. He, that guy definitely could have gotten sued for that. Without a doubt. Anyway, that's for February down in Tampa Bay. We're living in the present. It's week four. It's over. And, Brian, it's time for the most popular segment in this here show. It's the plays of the week. Brian, number three. Josh Scobie does it for the second
0: straight week for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: 11.30 to play in overtime. Tied at 27 from the hold of Podlish. It'll be a 37-yarder. There's the snap. The placement, the kick from Scobie is up on the way. And he got it. Jaguars win it. They beat the Texans in overtime. Josh Scobie proving over the last several years that he's got ice water, making several great kicks. The Jacksonville Jaguars get a win over the Houston Texans, and it looks like they're back on track after a bit of a stumble to start the season. Yeah, the Jaguars looking good, 2-2, and
0: taking a beat the Colts. And the Jaguars... Played, they played the Titans in the first week, and they don't get, have a rematch against them until week 11. That game is at Jacksonville, so they're going to have some ground to make up there. Looks like, I'm not going to throw the Colts out of it, but that's going to be a three-way race for that AFC South division. Should be exciting.
1: Now, if only people would start showing up in Jacksonville to seeing this to see this team. That seems in a lot of trouble. They can't sell out games. They can't get people out to the stadium. And they've got a driven, very good team there.
0: I've driven. We used My family used to drive from New York. To where my grandparents live in Florida all the time, and to mm-hmm. get there we have to drive through Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a city, and then there's nothing. It's in the middle <laughs> of nowhere, so it's got the people have to really commute to get out to those games. So
1: I could see why it'd be difficult to get some fans out there. Understandable. Play number two. Giving some love to the defense this week in the plays of the week, and the Chicago Bears, Brian Westbrook out of the game. You got to wonder how this Bears Eagles matchup would have been different had Westbrook been able to play, but instead it was a tremendous goal line stand. McNam with a long count. He'll take. And I no, don't think no, they got it. No, in. no. The Bears have stopped the Philadelphia Eagles on fourth and inches. Bears take over radio network second and goal third and goal fourth and inch of uh, an inches and the monsters of the midway reemerge and they earn definitely earn the bears a big win on sunday night
0: I had no problem when the Jets got killed for doing this against the New England Patriots running three times down at the goal line. I have no problems with the Philadelphia Eagles. When you're on the one-yard line, tell your offensive line to man up and get the freaking ball
1: the end zone. <laughs> and you, I, you, Let's go back to that, though. It's, it's Brian Westbrook is out. You know he's hurt, and you got to think if you're the Bears' defense on that play, especially on fourth down, that they're going to try it again. There's no point to roll out at that point. If you haven't thrown on second down, you haven't thrown on third down, there's no point to roll out and try play action or maybe try a quarterback draw or an option play or anything like that. You know that it's going straight to Carell Buckhalter. They even tried Tony Hunt, the fullback. He couldn't punch it in. This was a classic example of the Philadelphia Eagles not being able to execute when they needed to and a classic example of defense shining when it needs to. And it's as tight as the NFC East, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, It's as tight as the NFC East is going to be, and those teams are going to beat up on, on each other throughout the season, you've got to get those wins outside of the division. And this is one that the Eagles had in their hands, and they couldn't get it done. Yeah, the
0: Eagles need to win this game because winning, as you just said, winning those games in the NFC East, those games are going to be dog fights. This is a game they should have won. And again, it comes down to as you said, execution. The Bears manned up. They didn't let him in. I have no problem with Andy Reed's play calling, and I think everyone that does needs to get off his back.
1: By the way, this is the first time that Donovan McNabb has ever lost in Chicago. I didn't know ever.
0: that. Well, maybe we'll he's, see him there pretty soon.
1: Maybe. Well, that's actually they said that on the uh, on the NBC show last night. They said, "Here's Donovan McNabb playing in Chicago. The surprise is he's still wearing an Eagles uniform." Yeah, wouldn't be
0: shocked. I mean, we'll get into that another time. Yep. Now, let's not waste our nine minutes on that right
1: yeah, now. Yeah, we got plays of the week still to go. We got the number one play, and this is this turned into a pretty bad, a very bad story, into a story of the NFL making a poor decision into a guy just gutting it out and pulling off one of the great gutty performances we've seen in a long time. Economos to snap. Good snap. Good hold. The kick is airborne. It is good! Matt Bryant! Buccaneers Radio Network on the call. And good
0: the NFL disgrace. That that's it's only what what are you thinking? There's times when you need to make exceptions for rules. That's a time. Let this guy be with his family at his house. He just lost his three month old Matt Bryant. Just lost his three month old infant son. You force him to go out and play. He gets the game winning field goal, which means he has to go and talk to the press after mm-hmm. the game, which he probably doesn't want to do. And I listened to his press conference. He almost choked up a couple times. Yeah. Let the guy be at home with his family. Roger Goodell, that is an awful job.
1: They have so many of these roster exemptions for guys that are getting arrested and guys that are you know, they're making these suspensions and kicking guys off of these teams for these boneheaded decisions. And you're giving these teams roster exemptions to be able to pick somebody up. And you're not going to give Matt Bryant the week off. Disgrace. It is a disgrace. Is I think a disgrace. it was. Uh, I've been on Roger Goodell's side for a lot of what he's done. I think he's done a tremendous job cleaning up the NFL with the personal conduct policy, and we discussed it in the first segment with establishing clear lines on what's dangerous play and what's not dangerous play. But I think for the first time, Roger Goodell and and the people that run the NFL and and make these decisions about who can play and who can't play and who gets exemptions and who doesn't get an exemption, I think it was a terrible, it was a travesty that Matt Bryant didn't get to take the weekend off, and the Buccaneers didn't get to pick up a kicker on short notice. That said, Matt Bryant, an inspirational performance. A great performance. That
0: move was almost as bad as when they didn't let Jake Plummer wear the Pat Tillman thing. Right. I mean, just
1: no reason for—I mean, just relax on some things. I mean, give the guy a break. We are a quarter of the way through the NFL season, Brian. Let's give out some progress reports. Let's take a look at the league as a whole. I think we've already established that the Bills and the Titans have definitely surprised many. I would give them, if we are giving out grades, I think both of those teams would get a solid A. What do you think about these Cardinals? Going back to them, they start two and zero against two teams that they should have beaten, but then they stumble in their two games on the road. Now they're coming home for only their second and third home games in the next two weeks. I would give the Cardinals maybe a C.
0: Maybe a B-minus a C right now. Agree, agree with you, and the problem with the Cardinals is, I mean, this stretch, it gets difficult right here. Their next two games are Buffalo and Dallas, so next thing you know, they could be 2-4 and four going into the bye week, and all confidence could be lost.
1: How about the Chicago Bears? We just talked about them. They come into the season with a quarterback controversy. They take the ball away from Rex Grossman. They give it to Kyle Orton, and I think that the Chicago Bears have tremendously overachieved so far, but... Can the Bears keep this up with Kyle Lorton playing so well? Give him, give him about a B-. And I think the thing to look for in the NFC is that these NFC
0: East teams are going to beat the living crap out of each other. <laughs> That's the truth. So there's going to be an opening for one of these teams from the other from the other divisions that might not be as good, but they could be a lot fresher going into the playoffs to really make a run. Jim Zorn, coach of the year right now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. After that first uh, first game performance where the team looked bad, maybe just some growing pains. He's definitely looked his teams, ever since about midway through the third quarter of that game against the Saints, the Redskins have been on a roll. Brian, always a pleasure. We will talk to you again next week after week five.
0: Yep, can't wait. AFC wide open, by the way. Who knows who's going to come out of that conference?
1: Without a doubt. This has been the Pigskin Podcast. Brian Gibberman, Justin Karp. Thanks for listening. It's the thefan1060.com.